now tapped in with the introspective father and son duo. Last name may be strange, but never strangers to the game. Adjust the listening devices and keep it live. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ay, coming in, yeah. Flex, I just wanna win, yeah. LABB, who we running with, yeah. Two, two, three, three, I'm on 10 again, yeah. State your name. Hello, and welcome to another installment of No Strangers to the Game. Um, today's episode is going to be discussing the ethics of technology. Um, but first, it's January 2nd as we record this, which means we just had New Year. Um, excited to be in 2021. How did you spend your New Year's? At home, on the couch. <laughs> just relaxing. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Just trying to stay out the way um, as the cases of coronavirus uh, seem to be surging. And just trying to make sure that, you know, I'm doing my part, whatever that is, to, you know, hopefully mitigate or not increase those. Mm. So, you know, it was relaxing. We, 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 me, your mom, um, your sister, and our little cousin, Janiah, um, we just hung out and drank some uh, apple cider, 12, <laughs> and uh, shut it down. <laughs> so, so that's pretty much what we were doing. How about you? Uh, yeah, I went out to LA. Uh, my friend, he, I went to high school with him, one of my best friends, and he just got a house out in LA, his family. So spent um, New Year, brought in the New Year with them. But on New Year's Day, came back home and uh, gumbo was on on the stove. So that was, I was pretty happy about that. Once again, food is, it's a big deal here in a strange house. But um, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a good way to bring in the New Year. Um, but let's get into today's episode. Uh, what really inspired this episode was I watched the movie, The Social Dilemma on Netflix. And I was just sitting there like kind of amazed. And um, the movie is about, <laughs> the movie is about, as, as a human race, we have a social dilemma of technology. I think throughout time, technology has obviously been good. It's helped us save time, do things more efficiently, you know, all these different uses for the advances we've made. But now are we getting the social dilemma is, are we crossing over into the point where technology is starting to become an issue and raise issues within our society and within our households? Um, and, and then the movie really kind of goes into the question of safety, really, um, as you talk about you know, the, some of the data mining and things that go on um, and some of the unethical practices that go on with these tech companies and giving away your information and all these things. So. Um, but it really, I really just wanted to talk about technology and the point we're at and, you know, our technological advancements, how are we dealing with it and some of the issues we're facing right now? So in terms of these tech companies developing things, it seems like the motivation or the goal at all times is to keep you in front of the screen for some, you know, certain tech companies. Um, but first, do you want to go ahead and define technology and kind of give us a rundown of kind of like your pr perspective or point of view of technology? Yeah, the Siri definition of technology is basically the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes, especially in industry. That's machinery, equipment developed from an application of scientific knowledge. So essentially, technology is really invented or created to make your life, our lives more efficient mm -hmm. and um, allow us to take time that we would be doing 
different type of tasks to be able to apply it in other places, whether it be relaxation with family or doing other tasks. Um, but we also know that with technology, you know, the intent is really critical. You know, I, I always say technology is nebulous, meaning that it's neither good or bad. It just is. Your intent and how you use it determines whether or not it's good or bad. So um, for me, always looking at what the intent is of those that are creating it and those that are using the technology. So, you know, it could be used based on, you know, what you're looking to do with it. With that intent, it's funny, I always tell people, I always tell people, Apple is like a cult. Like, <laughs> because if you don't, they even, they even say it explicitly. If you don't have an iPhone, you don't have an iPhone and what that represents. And like, I understand marketing. I understand capitalism. I understand, you know, wanting to grow your company, but it seems as though their intent is to make everyone have an iPhone one and two, spend as much time as you possibly can on Apple products. And the worst part is that they know it's unhealthy. They know it's probably not the best thing for our society to have everyone on social media or watching movies or watching TV constantly on these screens yet they are constantly pushing for that. And most people give give in. Most people, I mean, we sitting here with an iPhone on a Mac <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing about it is like, once again, these things, they have great uses. I can do millions and millions of things with this phone and my laptop. Um, so in that in that case, it's like that, once again, we come from that social dilemma. I, I can use this for so much. I can get so much done in life with these products, but when it crosses over into me spending all day and night on it and it becomes unhealthy, then how do we find that balance? Like where, where do we, as human, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna get into the capitalism and the companies, but as a humans, how do we find that balance? Really, it really comes down to self-discipline. You know, you, unless we go out and get, you know, technology police to say, hey, you didn't spend five hours on your phone yeah. and technology today, we're gonna shut you down. You know, like a parent, uh, doing a child. So it really comes down to your own self-discipline and, and, and using the technology for things that you are trying to accomplish and do and not allowing the technology to consume you and your time. And I think that's where the balance becomes is being intentional with it. And I think a lot of times, and myself included, we get on it and we just kind of get kind of sucked into a rabbit hole of different things and conversations and photos and videos that you know you look up and you didn't spend an hour and you're just like man I wasted a whole hour and I didn't really get much out of this other yeah. than just seeing and sometimes you're just scrolling through things and you even have reading it it's just I think it's becomes it becomes addictive and it kind of lulls your mind to sleep to where you're just sucked in at least in my opinion to the images and the ideas that you're seeing on the screen and, and that part to me is is not very healthy because I believe that you're not filtering what you're um, consuming or, 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 you know, taking in, and that can be very dangerous. Let's get into kind of, once again, our generational difference. I've had technology for most, I mean, I guess you could call it modern technology for most of my life, you know, as a baby and as a young kid, I did. But, you know, today you'll see kindergartners walking around with brand new iPhones and they know how to call and download apps and do all these things and they're in front of it. You know what I mean? You got babies that literally get, you know, the little um, iPhones or the iPads, kind of baby iPads, and they watch the movies or they'll play the little games on it. Um, I mean, what, what, 
it's like I don't even know what it's life is like without all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, what did y'all do in church without an iPhone? Like, what, <laughs> what did y'all do on a daily basis without, you know, tons of streaming services and, you know, stuff like that? What was life like without all of this technology? Life was a lot more interactive in a social and physical setting. When we wanted to have entertainment, we were the entertainment. We went outside, we played, we ran, we made up games. We threw rocks, we rode bikes, skateboards, we played football, basketball. So we did things that, you know, we had to be the entertainment. So it's different than this generation. Now you sit down and everything is entertaining you. And I think that's what leads to some of the health and even some of the social um, challenges that we have with just being able to interact with one another in a, in a, in a reasonable way. You know, a lot of kids are growing up now with anxiety and things of that nature, just being able to interact with other people. You know, I'm just reading and hearing about in colleges, they have in class just to teach the students how to engage and talk to one another and their soft skills. And so I think the technology, you know, like I said, is good to a degree, but I think the more connected we become, the more disconnected we become socially that, you know, causes issues that we have today where people can disconnect and go out and shoot hundreds of people randomly and not feel the empathy and not see yeah. that, you know, with the video games, this is just me on my soapbox. <laughs> you know, you're playing these video games and okay, you think the people are gonna wake up and you start the game over. And I don't know if some of the things that are happening now with the mass killings is someone who doesn't fully understand that the people, when you shoot them, they're not getting up yeah. or their anxiety and, you know, all the things that they have going on has taken them to the point where they have disconnected to human life to where they have no regard for it. And therefore, you know, if I shoot it down, I burn it up, you know, I have no feelings for it. So for me, the more interconnected we become technology wise, seems like the more distance we be distant we become socially. Yeah, it's funny, the movie, The Social Dilemma on Netflix, once again, um, it talked, they had a quote, this guy was doing a presentation, he said, everyone fears the idea of technology overcoming our strengths, right? Oh, we won't need any jobs, everything will become automated, you know, technology will be smarter than us, and you know, there really will be no use for human life um, because technology will be doing everything. Everybody fears it becoming or overcoming our greatest strengths when what's closer to happening and what we should be worried about currently is it overcoming our greatest weaknesses like you said our insecurities our anxieties our you know i guess desire to not you know there's comfort in being distanced from people because you have your phone or your stuff like that those weaknesses that we have as humans we have to fear technology overcoming that they, he said world war three was likely to be started over social media or over you know what i mean something like that because that's what's going on now. Yeah, and, and it's easier for, you know, someone to text or send something out over the, you know, phone or the computer, you know, being bad. You yeah. know, there's a lot of social media gangsters, as we call them. <laughs> you know, and then, you know, then me having to sit down it face to face and say, hey, this is how I'm feeling to have that interaction. Uh. I think it allows you to be more empathetic and sympathetic to what you're saying to someone, even if you disagree you know, because that person is right there in front of you. With the phone, you have no regard. You throw stuff out there. And, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad for a lot of celebrities um, to a degree because they're, part of it they do to themselves. They put themselves out there. Yeah. 
but just the millions of people that have so many opinions on this individual's life and what they should or shouldn't be doing. Um, and I think psychologically, if you're not prepared and equipped, it can it, it can cause you to you know buy into those things and you know look at yourself from a, a self-esteem standpoint to that could affect you. Yeah. And you know, especially with younger kids coming up, um, just reading and hearing about some of the things that nine and ten year old kids are thinking about killing themselves because what's being said to them on social media by kids and other people who they may know may not know and you know just that type of bullying to me is really really um concerning yeah and so you know what is okay well I, as i ask this question i feel like i know the answer but there seems to be a a, a gray area obviously it seems simple like i there's a, a common joke on social media is like how you get bullied over the internet just turn your phone off <laughs> like like at the end of the day we don't have to look at these screens we can right. we can completely disconnect from technology there's no rules against it you know you'd be fine but what is the what is there any i guess responsibility placed on these companies that are aggressively trying to seek our attention and our you know our dollars to do things with a sense of ethics like let's okay we've made a good you know we've met our bottom line we've made some money do we need to go this extra mile to keep them on this phone for another four or five hours a day do we need to do these things to make it to cross over into unhealthy behavior or is it fully responsible on us as you know individuals to like you said disconnect when when necessary and you know take care of ourselves yeah i mean I think the responsibility is on all of us. Now, how do you do that when it's about the bottom line, about the bottom line, capitalism, and making as much as you can? Yeah. And you're telling a company that this is how you make your money, but we're going to only limit you to doing it to a certain degree to where you got to pull back. Yeah. That becomes the, the issue. Now, when it comes to you know, information and whether it being truthful or false or what do you call, um, what does it call it? Fake news. Fake news. <laughs> uh, you know, you got to have some some responsibility on putting the truth out there. But as an individual, if I just go on Twitter and tweet something that may or may not be true, you know, does the company have the responsibility of making sure that what I say is true or not? Yeah. I, that's a lot of responsibility on a company, you know, and I... I don't know if I can say that that's their responsibility. Many, many of may disagree, but for me, I think it's as an individual, you have the responsibility to check yourself, to be disciplined so that you don't either get caught up. And if you do get caught up, you take responsibility for what you've done and the consequences of what that you know is. So again, I always wanna bring that back to your own self-responsibility because they're gonna always be something out there to catch your attention, to try to lure you into sand or doing something so that somebody else gets paid. Yeah. And it's up to you to make sure that you're not being used to, you know, for someone else's expense. I wanna get your opinion on, I, I think it's been recently proposed bill and there's kind of a, people are on either side of the fence of it. You know, with the data mining and things that go on, um, companies big companies like facebook or 
Instagram, YouTube, they take the data and the things that you're searching for. Google is what, probably the biggest one. The information that you're searching for and they sell, you know, a lot of the place, even for your tracking, your location, the things you search on the internet, the things you post, the things you view most. And they sell these to advertisers to where they can, you know, obviously pinpoint advertisers that work for you. Oh, you searched up, you know, sneakers last week. Let me put a sneaker ad on your Instagram feed. And from this, from the surface, it seems like, okay, that's a genius, you know, advertising tactic. You don't fully understand, you know, that that can probably be pretty bad. The bill is, you know, kind of wanting to at least limit how much we can track and what we can and can't track to where we can stop some of these unethical kind of, like once again, aggressive advertisements and capitalism to, but it, like, once again, as I, as I said, it's like, it doesn't sound like anything that should be illegal. It seems like a good business practice. And once again, you don't have to be on your phone. You don't have to, you know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it's talking about the ethics of the technology. Do you believe that there is, once again, the onus on these companies to at least be ethical in it or, I guess what I'm asking is, do you specifically see that issue as something is unethical for the company? I think there has to be a level to where the company is ethical, meaning that they're not taking your information, your private information, and you know, allowing it to get out there to where the world can see it that may impact you one way or the other. So in that sense, I believe it's ethical. In the other sense, like I said, it's a self-responsibility. Is a lot of times I see things online that I would like to get information on and they want to ask you for you know now log in your name pass i was just like no. i'm not interested now you know it's, much, it's not even about the money it's just about now i got someone else who won't even be sending me stuff got my credit card information and who knows what else no. and so for me that part really bothers me because it just becomes a little intrusive but it's up to me to say well i don't want that information out there so I'm not going to put it at least on this site. I'm sure I've done it on other places and other sites where they have it. Yeah. So I'm not overly concerned that my information is out there because I'm of the belief now with the technology, whoever is looking for you, whoever wants to get information on you, you know, it's not difficult. Mm -hmm. Your name, your phone numbers, your addresses and all those things are not difficult to find. So I don't get caught up in that so much. It's just sometimes, how that information can be used is what you know becomes a little concerning yeah i think just to kind of play the other side if i'm the companies i'm sitting there, i'm saying well how why are we trying to you know restrict our business practices when it's you know obviously not illegal yet anyway and if i'm the company i'm sitting there saying we put the terms you know the terms and service um that you have to agree to every time you turn on your iphone or you know, every time you log into a new site, you have that. I agree to the terms. And so how are you getting mad at us? Hey, you ain't, no, ain't nobody reading those terms. Exactly. I mean, terms is about just, <laughs> you know, two pages and they just kind of scroll through it, boom. But that's like, that's like contract law. If at the yeah. end of the day, I put a contract in front of you, you decide not to read it and you sign it, you stop. No, you know I agree. I mean? I and mean, so as a company, it's like, if I, I've made it explicitly known what we're going to do, what's going to happen, there's, you know, obviously they hit it, but it's hidden in plain sight, if you will. Small print. <laughs> How can you blame me? I mean, that sounds like y'all problem, not, not mine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it really comes down to the individual. Yeah. I think there is a, a point where the company has to be, you know, responsible for, you know, the information and how they use it and in their, you know, even their tactics, yeah. you know, because sometimes many people 
for whatever reason, just I say lack of experience or education, you know, those are the things that I don't consider what can be done, how this can impact me over time. Um, whereas the company, they have gazillion lawyers, yeah. they have people who understand all these things. And then you take a 15 year old kid, most likely they're not going to even be considering all those other factors. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they say you must be 18, but yeah, I'm going to do a share. I'm 18, <laughs> you know? So yeah, at the end of the day, it becomes the responsibility of the individual and the families and those who use the technology, but the companies also have a responsibility to be ethical um, in, in what they do. I think I think it's a bit bigger on the company. I mean, don't get me wrong, as individuals, we also have a huge responsibility to take care of yourself. But I think there is a big, there's because, and the reason I say there's a lot more onus on the companies is because in the normal circumstances, you say these are business practices and, you know, they're just trying to, you know, once again, meet their bottom line and you can't fault them for that. They're companies. I get it. But when the stakes are this grave in terms of the impact that this technology and social media and these things can have on our, you know, evolution, literally, mm -hmm. I think you have to sit, you, somebody, as a society, we have to step in and say, no, it's not just business anymore. This is, these have, like they'll say, these have grave consequences and we need to stop this before it goes too far. And we can ask everyone to just be more responsible about it. But at the end of the day, they're not, not the masses aren't going to, unless somebody steps in and does something about it. Well, then we got to look at our whole system, you know, capitalism all the way around, because yeah. if the game is to win and who accumulates the most resources and money, they consider the winners are successful, then I'm going to play the game to win. Yeah. You know, whether... I like it or not, that's how the game is. And if I don't play the game in the way that I feel I can win, then I lose and now I'm the one on the other side of that, yeah. uh, that taking that L. <laughs> and so I think we have to look at our society as a whole and how we view humanity. You know, I think that's a bigger question is looking at how do we view humanity through the eyes of capitalism? And is there a way to make sure that through this system, we don't throw away people. We don't, you know, use people up and get rid of them. Yeah. That we see them as human beings to help them evolve and become the best and reach their highest potential. And at the same time, be able to elevate, take care of ourselves financially. Um, because when you think about someone with $185 billion, <laughs> they'll never ever in, I mean, they'll never ever spend that money. Yeah. You know, they can, they can just give that money away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If they, you know, it would be hard for them to try to spend that money every day just because of the interest they're gaining on it yeah. and the investments and all the things that go along with that. Um, so for me, and I don't want to sound, you know, you know like socialist, yeah, <laughs> socialist, but I think the biggest challenge is not even inequities really, but the lack of opportunities for people to be able to access, access the research, the resources and the things that they need to be able to create the life that they want. Yeah. And when I say inequities, like a doctor is going to probably make more money than a janitor. But if a janitor has everything they need, they're happy and they love doing what they're doing, there's no problem. Mm -hmm. And they are able to live the life that they choose. That's not a problem. The doctor, hey, I went to school. I did these things to where I'm doing something I love to do and I'm being compensated for it. Mm -hmm. So the inequities 
they become gross, but I think the bigger issues to me is the lack of opportunities for everyone to be able to kind of live the life that they desire or pursue it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And and one thing that that's a whole another episode right there. We're talking about reassessing the whole system and taking a look at capitalism. Um, but to keep to kind of get back on track. Um We've, we talked about what the system needs to do and we've kind of gone back and forth. But as individuals here in our household, it's funny because as I was watching the movie, The Social Dilemma, I, I told myself, I'm not gonna go on my my phone for the whole movie, it's about an hour and a half. So my phone was sitting there and you know, it kind of lit up, I got notifications and I was like, I, and I'm not a person who's constantly on my phone, but like everyone else, I'm on my phone a lot of, you know, throughout the day. And so for that hour and a half, it was so weird to find myself, not that I was dying to get on it, but to consciously find myself having to fight the urge to just pick it up and check it. You know what I mean? And that was something that was interesting to me. And within our household, I'm wondering as a parent who grew up in an era that was totally different, how is it raising a child in a place where these screens can be convenient? I mean, we've got distance learning now, you know, you've got a lot of things you can do on the internet. And, you know, how do you find that balance as once we again talk about balance of like, Okay, we're gonna you're gonna have screen time. Everybody else has a phone. We got you a phone now. You can watch Netflix. You can watch movies. These aren't terrible things you're gonna die from or anything. But finding that balance of like, okay, we're gonna once again reconnect. Well, we just have to be intentional about setting aside that time. You know, me pulling away from things I'm doing, and your mom, your sister, and while you're here at the same time, and connecting. And we've been doing that a lot over dinner. Um, we've been doing it a lot, just sitting down and having discussions about different, you know, topics that, you know, come to mind. Um, for us, the, the other night, we had a long, drawn-out debate on setting goals and, <laughs> and and whether or not, you know, that's something that's in fact effective or how you set goals. Yeah. So those are the type of things. And your sister's there. She's involved on some level where she may not be actively engaged, but she's hearing that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes she, you know, comes out of the blue and has an opinion and a thought that, you know, you were like, wow, I didn't know that you was actually paying attention. Yeah. So it's at this point, it's the responsibility for me and your mom as a parent to res restrict those times and say, hey, here's the amount of time you can have on screen. The rest of the time you need to do something a little more outside of that, whether it be running around outside, whether it be, you know, playing games, you know, whether it be Monopoly checkers, whether it be doing something physical, something else to help shape and develop you so that you're not so consumed by the technology. And I know we talked about this a lot as a kid growing up, a lot of your skills and social skills, things you learn are from outside playing with other kids. You get into a fight, you figure it out, or we learn in the rules of the game, figure it out. I wanna go play with them kids. I gotta go say hi. I gotta overcome that little anxiety. A lot of those things are learned in the, you know, on the playground or just going out in your neighborhood and playing. But how difficult is it as a parent? And I guess in our neighborhood, we've actually seen, especially during the pandemic, kids playing outside, but if all the other kids are just on their phone or inside playing, how difficult is it to tell your kid, hey, go outside and make friends when, you know, once again, everybody's on that stuff? Well, it makes it very difficult, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I think you can't give into that because now you're a victim of that whole process. And so the things that you value and are trying to teach your child, you know, is thrown out the window because everybody else is doing it. Mm -hmm. So I think to me, it helps for that child to be able to look out and see the differences and hopefully 
not get caught up in feeling less than. You know, what can I do to continue to create my own happiness and still be able to interact? How can I pull them away from that? Yeah. You know, sometimes I used to think of when I was doing something, I said, everybody's doing this. Let me do my own thing. And you find that people will look over and say, well, this person is doing something different. They seem to be excited and enjoying it. Yeah. Let me try that. So, you know, how, how do I change the game, you know, and, and begin to talk to uh, the youth, do something different. How can you stand out in a positive way? Do something different that's not being done by anyone else. Yeah. I mean, like we talked about being home during the pandemic, we finally kind of got to stop, reset. We had dinners where we were able to talk. Um, I think while I was gone or while, you know, things were back in, you know, I guess normal times, the hustle and bustle, you was on the mom was on the computer doing work. You was on the computer in a meeting. Malia was on her iPad or in front of the TV, you know, so everybody was so disconnected. But during this pandemic, we got a chance to kind of reset and redo things. But I think for me, it's it's been interesting to see because I, y'all say I'm an old man, right? I, and I really am, as I look at my generation, a lot of the things that they place value in or, you know, things that they spend a lot of time doing, I'm not as big on it. I'm a part of it, but I'm not as big as, you know, others. And so I think it's made me, you know, a bit of like, not an outcast, but just kind of a little different, but I don't think I think I'm old enough and kind of mature enough to understand that that's not a bad thing with the way things are headed. And so I've looked at it as like, but, but, and the reason I'm saying this is because I'm old enough to be able to make that distinction, but like for a younger child, that's gotta be a tough concept to explain. Like, yeah, you gotta be different than everybody else. That's gotta be. Well, we did it with you guys. Yeah. I mean, even though we had the resources to buy you a bunch of video games and all the other latest toys and gadgets, we chose not to. We say, you know, these are the things that, you know, tell me what you want. You're going to get things that you want and we're going to get things that you need, but we're not going to be excessive about it. Yeah. You know, and there was a lot of times where, you know, kids run around all this, why you don't have this, this and this? And I'm like, and you learn to look at it like, well, that's not really that important because last week you was playing with that. <laughs> this week you got something totally different. What happened to the other thing? Yeah. And you begin to really see that these things are not that important. They're just you. People use them to consume their time, their energy, and just kind of placate whatever they're lacking. Yeah. And so we always wanted you guys to see value in just everyday life, not things. You know, put value in people, put value in experiences. Um, we that's why we never had a problem taking you guys places and having experiences. I'd rather spend three, four, five thousand dollars on a trip for an experience than spend half $500 on a game or some toy that, you know, a week or two later, you done threw it away or in the closet or it's broke and you're mm -hmm. like, I'm on to the next thing. Yeah. Those experiences are something that you carry with you. And, you know, as long as you you got your memory, you're going to always remember those experiences. And it's funny because as a kid, I think I, because of the, some of the stuff you just mentioned, I always had a really good concept of what was real and what wasn't. And I think at a young age, I realized that other kids didn't. And what it, what really showed me was video games. I was, I played, I had a PlayStation 2 for a while, but like, I wasn't big into video games. I played them with my friends. I played them every now and then, but I was never a kid who could spend full five hours a day in front of the video game. And I think I, because the, the reason for that was I understood this ain't real. You know, I could win this game 10 times and it really won't mean much because it's not real. 
Um, and so I think, yeah, that's that's the biggest thing is once, like you said, having those conversations, experiences, and you know, relationships that help you understand what's real and what's not. And I think that's gonna be the difference. Uh, yeah, just like we talked about the other day, when you said I had no sympathy for you with cutting the grass, yeah. you know, I mean, with the push mower. And my my no, idea- No engine, <laughs> this is a push mower that you just gotta push. <laughs> and my idea of that was to teach you to be disciplined and consistent. So you know if that grass got up over a certain height, you was gonna have trouble pushing that push more. Yeah. But if you did it consistently and you were disciplined to do it, you know, often enough, it yeah. was easy to try to get you to see, hey, here are the consequences for being disciplined and consistent. Here are the consequences for not. And you know, a lot of people thought I was cruel, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of get you to see that and understand it. Um, and, and ultimately, we, you know, friend of mine who felt sorry for you <laughs> was a, a more with the but with, I had a greater motor on it. Had greater appreciation for that for sure you know but the thing I mean the yard wasn't that big so it wasn't like he was cutting <laughs> fields but I just wanted to help you develop that discipline of being consistent because mm. that was something I needed growing up and you know as an adult I can see where sometimes I struggle with that and I wanted to implement that and, and instill that in you so that you could see Okay, if I do things, I can make it easier on myself yeah. if I'm consistent and I'm disciplined, or I can make it difficult. And it's like working out. You know, if you go out and work out every once a month, you know, when you go out there, it's gonna be tough. But if I do it consistently, it yeah, it it's gonna be tough, but my body's gonna be able to adapt and adjust. And as a result, I'm gonna feel good. And once again, I think like social media, video games, and stuff like that have also, like, I was talking to you guys earlier, or you and mom, you know, a while ago about a lot of children they don't understand that the reason they face consequences when they do is, is is oftentimes a result of their actions and i think sometimes the social media the video games because in a video game if you if you lose you just restart or you go back to the checkpoint or you know what i mean and right. so it kind of starts to you start to lose that reality of like my actions have consequences i can't fully blame other people when i can look back and say no that happened because of me but a lot of kids haven't been able to do that you know, in, in recent memory. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, that's going to wrap up this episode. Good discussion on technology and the ethics. We talked about, you know, we broke down, you know, the onus of the companies and, you know, us as individuals to make sure we keep ourselves healthy, literally, um, and the balance of using technology and not becoming, you know, not letting it use you. So right. um, I think that was a good episode. And, um, I think there's, a, if, if anything, I got, we think we got more topics for other episodes out of this, but good discussion. And we appreciate you guys for joining in. Hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. All right. That'll wrap up today's episode. Glad we could take a moment to put you up on game. We post a new podcast every Sunday morning. Now, you know, peace.